I just want you to open your Bibles. We're going to be continuing, and I'm going to, just going to share a few things with you. Now, as you know, we study discipleship on Wednesday nights, and Jesus taught Matthew 5, 6, and 7 from his heart and by memory. <laughs> i got to read it. But he, he said it, and they wrote it down so we could learn it, and this is what he gathered his disciples to teach them. And we've been on this for quite a while now because it is just what we need to pay attention to, what the Master taught. And I want you to see here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we've been studying as we've been going along, and it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal, loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let me flip over here to the Living Bible. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. I love this in the living. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. There aren't far, aren't you more, far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, will he certainly care for you? Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything. Somebody shout out everything. Everything Everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow. Say that with me. So don't worry about tomorrow. Boy, it sounds like God knew where we would be in our history when we're coming to this portion of Scripture. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. Amen. And isn't it something, the last thing we, we studied last week was about, all this is about attitudes, and God is working on our character and our attitudes. But last week we studied about wealth, and this week we're studying about worry, and isn't it amazing that both of those go together? <laughs> huh? How many people spend their time worrying about wealth? And he taught on wealth. And now he's teaching on worry because money is the main root of many times our worries and what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink. And we're going to study this out a little bit tonight. But one thing I want you to see, if we live our lives right, because he's talking about a life of righteousness. If we live our lives right, the Word of God says that the righteous will not lack anything. The righteous will not lack anything. So in a daily process, we examine our hearts, examine our thoughts, examine our lives. So that's one point I wanted to give you about the righteous will not lack anything. But there's another point I want to give you. To overcome worry. There's a lot of things we can teach you tonight, but I just want to share this with you starting off. One of the greatest things you can do to overcome worry, and he says, don't worry. And how many of you know, you've got to learn to laugh. There's enough people crying over what's going on. How many know we got to learn to laugh? 
And so I'm going to start off with some jokes tonight. How many ever heard of Louis Armstrong, the trumpet player? What a wonderful world. Okay, I don't sound like him. Anyway, anyway, how many know he was raised on the bayou and all that? His aunt one day sent him to get some water in a pail, and he hated going into the bayou because there was alligators in there. So he went down there with the pail to get some water to bring back home, and when he got to the, to the bayou to get the water, sure enough, here comes an alligator floating to the top, and he just throws that bucket. Water flows everywhere. He runs back to his aunt and says, Aunt, I can't get that water. I mean, there's alligators out there. She says, All oh, them alligators aren't going to hurt you. Oh, yeah, but, Andy, you didn't see how big the alligator was. She says, Let me tell you something, Louie. That alligator is more scared of you than you are of it. And he said, Well, if that alligator got as scared as I got, then that water ain't worth drinking. (laughs) You got that, Brett? You got that revelation? I'm glad you got your thank you cap on tonight. Glory be to God. Amen. I tell you, 18 years on the mission field, different things like that. I told you, my favorite video series is the Three Stooges. Sometimes before putting Brother Copeland on, I put the Three Stooges on. Because, man, sometimes you just got to laugh. You just got to laugh. Healing is a medicine. Roy Hicks wrote a book years ago, He Who Laughs, Last, and Last, and Last. And you see, I'm going to show you tonight, worry, Jesus taught us in this scripture that we're going to see in these scriptures, worry affects your spirit, your soul, and your body. It affects all three parts of you. And so we're going to study some things here tonight because laughter will heal your spirit, your soul, and your body. So let me give you a few nuggets here. It says, don't take tomorrow to bed with you. Amen? Why worry about the future? Between the bomb and the pollution, there may not be any. <laughs> no, that wasn't supposed to be in there. That, well, I wasn't planning on saying that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's in here, but it's not marked red. I'm, I shouldn't have said that one. No, that's, that's for the people down the street. Okay. Listen, listen. Instead of counting their blessings, many people magnify their problems. Worry kills many people. Worry kills more people than work. Some people play it safe by doing neither. (laughs) Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrows. It only saps today of its strength. And that's one of the things in this that Jesus taught. Worry will sap your strength. You ever wonder, I just don't know why I don't feel like praising God. I don't know why I don't feel like going to church. I'll bet you there's some worry and some fear that's been operating in some areas of your life. You know, I just, I just don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praising God. What I got to praise God for? I don't even feel like carrying my Bible. I'm too weak to carry my Bible. That ribbon that I held my Bible with fell out anyway. I don't even know what I'm going to... Don't worry if your job is small and your rewards are few. Remember, the mighty oak once was a nut like you. <laughs> I didn't say that. This said that, okay? And there was a <laughs> and there was a poor old man who worried so much about his debts that the hair of his wig began to fall out. 
The average husband worries about what his wife spends and what the government spends. The difference is he's not afraid to criticize the government. <laughs> There's only one place worry will bring you. Early. The cemetery. Those who live in a worry invite death in a hurry. That is true. Instead of counting their blessings, many people magnify their problems. Today is the tomorrow of what you worried over yesterday. So anyway, those were a few things. Let's see. Worry often gives a small thing a big shadow. Worry often gives a small thing a big shadow. That's a good one there. Worry reminds us of a treadmill. Boy, you can wear out in a hurry and not get anywhere. And so anyway, I wanted to share a few things with y'all tonight because, you know, it's just good to laugh. It's just good to be happy. You know what? It's okay to be happy in church. It's okay to be happy if you're married. It's okay to be happy if you're not married. You just need to laugh. I'm just just going to be easy and cheer you up tonight. Because all the world, you know, you know, they're just walking around, gloom and doom, and it's over. It ain't over. You're not over. Your life is not over. You're going forward. But there is some spiritual keys. And one of those keys, Jesus says, you cannot worry. You cannot worry about anything, Jesus said. He especially says you cannot worry about tomorrow. He says do not worry there in chapter 6 in verse 25, 27, 28, 31, and 34. He says do not worry, which means do not be over-careful or over-anxious. Over-careful or over-anxious. Boy, it's easy to be over-anxious about things. Well, what's going to happen? A lot of people are over-anxious. Who's going to win? Who's not going to win? You know, you go through all those things. And every time we get over-anxious, boy, there's something going on in our body that's not supposed to be getting along. Aren't you glad you can build yourself in the Holy Ghost? Amen. And take care of that. But that's not... But we've got to be careful about not worrying about things that are coming against us in life. Listen to this. Here's what a study shows. 40% over the things that we worry about will never happen. It's a study that has been proven that 40% of what we worry about will never happen. 30% is we worry about our past that cannot be changed anyway. 12% is we worry about what other people think about us. And they prove that a big percentage of that's not true. A lot of people worry about what you think about yourself. A lot of the problem is what we think about ourselves. So we've got to conquer that. Ten. Ten percent people is, uh, 10% of the people worry about health, and that ends up causing you to get worse in the area of stress. You know, it seems like I'm just getting sicker. Well, you're probably worrying more and getting more stressed out about what you were feeling the other day. And it shows only 8% of what we worry about ever really becomes real problems. Eight percent. Eight percent. And Jesus is trying to teach us here, don't worry about anything. Now, the first thing he touches about is food. (laughs) And it's amazing. I looked this up. And do you know, and I started thinking about Americans because, you know, they showed on the news yesterday, we're the most obese, healthy people in the world. 
We're the healthiest people in the world. That's what, you know, that's what you call them, healthy people. We're he- the healthiest people in the world. But you know, I started thinking about it. We got more food network channels than we do Christian TV, so that means we worship food. We worship food because all those people become big stars, just like stars of Hollywood or singing or anything else. We worship food because we'll spend more time and more money and and more importance. And we'll sometimes, some people have more cookbooks and recipe boxes than they do us books on studying on things they need to study according to the Word of God. We're a nation that worships food. These programs... We made Paula Dean rich because we worship food. Rachel Ray. You see, I know my people. <laughs> you got all these programs. I'm, I want you to think deep of what I'm talking about. Food has become a priority in this country. All the different foods around the world and, and, and all the different instruments and in the mall, all the big old fancy places to buy stuff and outlet stores, it's all about food. And, and, and how many of you know our, our grandparents had a cast iron skillet and, and they, they were happy. But if we don't have John Paul Jones cookware and all this other stuff and $1,000 knives and spoons and all this other stuff... We just can't cook it like they cook it on TV. So then we worry about going by the next gadgets. And then that, that's not good enough because then we got to worry about building a bigger kitchen. Amen. And then we got to put, <laughs> then we got to put in bigger cabinets. Then we got to build an outdoor kitchen. I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think if you have six people, you need six forks. And if you have guests, they just wait, wait their turn. <laughs> we worship food, we want food, and we waste food. And Jesus says, don't worry about food. Look with me. Hold your place here and look with me in Philippians chapter 3. Is it okay? I'm just going easy on, t- on you tonight, ain't I? <laughs> I know I ain't got no worshipers of food in here, but you know what? People say, you know, I don't worship food. Well, when was the last time you told Jesus you loved him like you do that apple pie? Oh, I just love apple pie. When was the last time you told somebody you love Jesus? Well, I'm, a sh- I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that. I might offend somebody. Philippians 3.19. Philippians 3.19. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. There it is right there in the Bible. Their God is their appetite. And they brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven. I love the message translation. It says, all they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross, but Easy Street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. It's right here in the message translation. Buy one from Brother Lee tonight. It says, their belly is their God and their belches are their praises. And all they can think of is their appetite. But life is 
Four more to, there's four more to life for us. How you like that? In some country, belches or, 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 or a thank you. Here the Bible's saying, Paul wrote this. Paul wrote this. They're praising the wrong person. So we see there's something here we got to pay attention to. And uh, how many of you know also, let me just throw this in. It says, you know, we worry over food. Let me throw this in because some people say I'm always teasing the healthy people. But you, let me tell you something. How many people are worried about diet? Oh, I'm pitching you tonight. People who die worry about their diet just like people who worry about wanting food worry about food. And so we, we are called disciples of Christ, but this one little area right here, we could spend a few nights worried about our diets. Well, I've tried Alzheimer's diets. No, no. Uh, Atkins diets. I, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> See, Alzheimer's diets are good because you forgot when you ate you know. <laughs> Anyway, you know, you try. Anyway, let's go on. You try all these diets. And you can tell I didn't eat yet tonight. I'm not doing good tonight. Anyway, people worry about diets. Well, I've tried this diet. I've tried that diet. You hear of a thousand diets, and they got them all memorized. But ask them to quote you five promises on divine health. What does 1 Peter 2.24 say? I don't know. Well, what does John 5.16 tells us to do? I don't know. Do you remember what Jeremiah 23.1? Yes, yeah, something about a shepherd. But what do those scriptures, Psalms 103, uh, verse 4, about Psalms 107, verse 5, what do those scriptures say about healing? Don't know. Well, they can tell you about a diet. Because our bellies become our gods. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you, what you eat or drink. Because why? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Second thing he says not to worry about is clothes. Not to worry about clothes. Aren't you glad you go to church that you can wear jeans? Amen. Amen. But, you know, it was talking about in those days, the best clothes came from other countries. Our clothes come from China. But in those days, their clothes came from other countries. And, and so, you, know, <laughs> you see, I'm just trying to get worry off of you tonight, okay? Uh, or off of me one. Anyway... Uh, you know, it's got to be the, the right clothes from India. It's got to be the right jewels from wherever they get jewels from. The clothes were so important. They're willing to get in debt over it. Well, it's the same way in America. Did y'all see Sarah Palin talk last night on TV? Talk, interviewing people who got their checks from the government. She asked this one family, what did you do with your check? He said, here's my new tennis shoes. You know, you don't know if they had other needs, but sure enough, he got his shoes. And you've got to get clothes and shoes, but the thing about it is, is that it becomes their God to where, you know, you've got to have a certain tennis shoe to skate. You've got to have a certain tennis shoe to play tennis. You've got to have a certain, I mean, and, and it becomes like that. And sometimes people can't afford it. But because everybody else is getting it, we've got to go and we've got to get it too. And the iPods and everything else. So we've got to be careful about this. And the next thing he says, how can you worry? And the third thing he talks about, how can you worry and add a cubit to your your height. Now, this is interesting. When you look it up in the Greek, it's not talking about growing taller. It's talking about the length of your life. How can you worry about what you're going to do in the future, how things are going to be in the future, how we're going to fix this economical crisis? That is not going to lengthen your life. 
that is going to shorten your life. It's going to affect your heart. It's going to affect your brain. It's going to affect the chemicals. It's going to affect different things in your body. So you have to be careful because you start worrying about these things. So how am I going to do it? What am I going to do? It's not going to lengthen your life. It's going to shorten your life. And today we see in the magazines and TV ads and multiple ads on TV all the time about take this medicine, but this one medicine to fix one thing but cause six other things to happen to you. And, you know, keep 911 around while you're taking this new pill to find out if it works or not. And, I mean, you know, it's just a bunch of advertising, a bunch of stuff. And, and, you know, the doctor says, I want you to try this medicine. You take this medicine, but it's got all these, it's got four pages of side effects. And so you start wondering, you start worrying. And if it ain't going to kill you of something else, then what you got? No, at least that's what I hear on TV. Those people kill you. They make money off of you too. So there's no sense in worrying about the future and all that other stuff. You just give it to God and make sure we don't empty ourselves uh, for a lack of trust and confidence. It says in Matthew 6, verse 30, it says, And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers, cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? How many know God is worthy? Amen. Worthy calls God and His Word unworthy and untrustworthy. If I'm speaking worry, I'm speaking distrust to my God. And if there's something that our wives, our husbands, our children, you don't want to hear them hear is they mistrust you. Because it says, I love you. How can you mistrust me? God loves us so much, and when we speak worry, He says, How can you mistrust me? Perfect fear cast, perfect love cast out fear. If you know me, you can trust me. Make me your God. Meditate upon my precepts and my word. And, 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 he's, and he's teaching us here that, that he knew, and Israelites knew, as they, they depended on God to feed them every day, supernaturally, for 40 years. We've got to learn to trust God because He is worthy of faith. He is too worthy of unbelief. He does not deserve unbelief. He does not deserve mistrust. So He says, how much more does He care for you? And it says, the birds and the flowers, listen, they don't have a worry. And I, I love this. How many of you know what it says here? This is the definition it gave. Birds do not make out a grocery list for the week. They don't make out a grocery list. They don't build barns to worry about hiding it in a horror or, uh, or uh, mounting it up. They just depend on God every day and God cares for them. And Jesus is using these simple examples to say, listen to me, you're going to have to learn to trust. You're going to have to learn to live by faith. It's the law of the kingdom. Amen. There's a story of a, of a during World War II in England. Uh, the bomb started falling and a dad took his little boy and they started running towards the bomb shelter and the dad got to the bomb shelter and opened the small little door and, and got down there, climbed down the ladder and the bombs were falling. There was a shell that already fell in the yard and didn't explode and the, the, the dad said, son, jump and I'll catch you and the little boy says, daddy, I'm scared. I can't see you but the fire was in the sky of the buildings and daddy cried out, yeah, but son, I see you. Just jump. And the boy jumped and the dad called him because the boy couldn't see the dad, but the dad could see the boy. And that's what God is saying. Trust me. Trust me in life and trust me in death. 
when it comes to that point where we've got to go, they talk about a hole, they talk about a light, they talk about a lot of stuff. All I know is that when it comes to go, I want to jump. And what I can't see is that my daddy's there to catch me when I jump. And so what you can't see don't mean that God isn't in control. You just got to trust Him. Amen. We may not know all the answers, but we are known. Amen. So I want you to see it says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest, don't store up in, 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 in barns and so forth and so on. But God takes care of them. The message translation says they are careless. Listen to this. They are careless in the care of God. If you don't have a message translation, I'll write that down. They are careless in the care of God. My God cares for me. You need to go around saying that. What are we going to do? My God cares for me. How are we going to handle that? My God cares for me. What if this happened? My God cares for me. If, if, if he cares for the sparrows and he cares for the flowers, how he redeemed us by the blood of his son, he cares for me. So I'm going to live carelessly and wordlessly in the name of Jesus. Listen to this. Psalms 84, 11. The Lord will not withhold no the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Joy for those who trust in you. Psalms thirty seven twenty five. Once I was young and now I am old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned nor their children begging for bread. Romans eight thirty two. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And First Timothy six seventeen, and not to trust. Tell them not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Amen. Not to trust in money. How many know that's true? Listen to this. A dad became concerned that his son might grow up around so much wealth because they were wealthy that he would not understand that not everyone lived as they did. He took his son to the country to spend a day with him on the farm of a family that lived very simple and with very little money. His son enjoyed the great outdoors, running around with the farm and the family's children. After they left, the father asked his son how he felt about the visit and if he now understood poor people better than before. His son replied, sure, Dad, I do. I learned that we have one dog and they have four. We have a small pool at our house and they have a creek. We have lanterns in the garden. They have the stars to light up their house. Our patio reaches the front yard and they have a whole horizon. We have a half an acre for our house and they have a whole farm. We have servants and they serve others. We buy our food and grow their, we, and they grow theirs. Thanks for showing me, Dad, how poor we are. <laughs> I think we need to bring some people to a farm. Mission field. Little faith, little favor. We want the favor of God for what we need. Say this with me. Worry is not necessary. Worry is a sin. Now, right now, where you are, you just repent. Father, forgive me for worrying today or this week or this month or whenever. Forgive me for worrying about the future. Forgive me for worrying about my finances. Forgive me for spending so much time worrying that I have not spent time praying and praising you. I receive that forgiveness. Forgive me for not trusting you and walking faithfully before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Verse 34 says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today has trouble with itself. And it talks about the trouble affecting the, uh, the, the, the three persons of man, spirit, soul, mind, and body. It affects our spiritual life. Now, in these chapters, Jesus says, I'm, I've got to hurry here. Jesus says five times, he, he says, uh, O ye of little faith, or faithless, unbelieving generation. And he talks about how they look for a sign so they can trust and they can believe. He said many times in the Word of God in other places, when Peter saw the waves, he said, O ye of little faith. When they were in the boat and they were scared about drowning, he said, O ye of little faith. But listen to this. This, this, this is where we are many times as believers. They had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, with two loaves of bread and five fishes. They picked up 12 basketfuls remaining. They get down the road a ways. The disciples get hungry again. And they start worrying over what they're going to eat. And they had just seen the miracle of God. How many times we forget the miracle God did just last yesterday or last week or last month. And we find ourselves worrying. And God has already proven time and time again how he could meet our needs. Oh, what if God don't heal me? What if I get the flu and God don't heal me of the flu this month because this is flu season. They told me on the TV, so they're prophesying to me, this is flu season. So what am I going to do about it? Well, I remember praying for you last year to get healed of the flu and God healed you of the flu. You already forgot God healed you last year and now you're worrying about this year? It's amazing how fast we forget the trustworthiness and the blessings of God, and we start living a life of worry and care. He says, don't worry. O ye faithful, unbelieving generation. The lack of faith causes worry and anxiety, and it eats up our spiritual life. It says in 625, do not worry. It eats on your mental and your inner peace. He says five times, do not be do not be over careful or anxious or in other words don't worry don't be over careful or or over anxious about nothing here's a definition for worry right quick it's a word used to indicate something which is divided and separated or that distracts us write this down worry that word worry there in the greek means it's a word used to indicate something which divides separates or distracts us Jesus said in Luke 12, 29, don't be concerned about what you eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. Now, when it talks there about the word worry to indicate something divided, separated, distracted, do you know what it says in the Hebrew? Every worry forms its own uh, um, place, its own closed-in compartment in your mind. And instead of having a sound mind, you have a mind with a bunch of doors and a bunch of rooms. And you got your worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, how you're going to do it, how is it going to get done. And pretty soon you wonder, man, boy, boy, just talking to that person, boy, they just seem like they're all nervous, man. They need a pill, chill pill. You know, oh, pastor, I tell you, I don't know what I'm going to do. You need prayer tonight? Oh, I got 16 requests. And they start, number one, Number two, I said, wait a minute, let's pray one at a time here. And, and sometimes, you know, you have a lot of things mount up on you, but what happens? You, give in to, you learn to give in to every worry. You end up dividing your mind into a bunch of pieces. 
And you wonder why you're nervous. You wonder why you're scared. You wonder why you don't sleep. You wonder why you're taking green, blue, and purple pills. And you wonder why all these different things are happening. It's because every time I give in to a worry and I concentrate and meditate on that worry, I'm forming a compact uh, uh, a container for that worry in my mind. And my mind gets filled with containers and I'm just all divided and separated. And you wonder why. My grandma, you go to her house and she can change the subject on you like that about what she's worried about, what's going to happen. Well, do you know, I just believe that little boy's hitting that little girl. And she'd start with her type of stuff, you know. Well, she had 16 or 160 compartments in her head of all these worrying fears. And they just build up, build up, build up. And if we don't renew our mind, we get caught in that type of lifestyle and we live a life. And guess what? We wonder why our kids talk like we do. Well, Daddy, that just scares me to death. I know it, son. It scared me to death, too. And we just wonder why all these compartments are just being transferred because we're worrying about it and we're just handing these things down. And it becomes a divided man and a double-minded man will not receive anything of the Lord. Amen? You know, you know what we look like when we worry? Let me give you just a good... I'm being real country tonight, so you better... Uh, just let me tell you what you look like when you worry. How many of you have ever had a, 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 a stuffed sock for your dog to play with? You ever, you ever seen a dog get a hold of a, a sock? You ever seen that? Well, that's what we look like when we worry. We get a hold of something we're fearful of? Obama. That's what we look like right now. Russia. We look like a dog. Just, just got a bone or got a dead squirrel or, or, or a tire or a little rag. And, and, and we'll, that's what we look like. Stupid looking, huh? And we go before God. Oh my God. And he say, calm down, boy. I can't, take, I can't take this in my throne room. This is not coming in my throne room. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> oh, I bet y'all think Listen, I didn't have no eggnog tonight. Don't let any eggnog. <laughs> but worry just drag you, drain you. And sometimes we're the most worryingest people. My God, what we're going to do? What did you do yesterday? Did it work? Yeah, I'm still alive. Why did you do it today? Guess what? Get up and do the same thing tomorrow. Just get up every day and trust you made it through today. You're going to make it through tomorrow. Help me make it through the night. Hey, worry. Amen. Worry can defeat us and distract us and cannot destroy us. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Seeking God cures the worry. Uh, we got to read this. Romans 4. Romans 4. I better stick to my notes. I'm in trouble. Romans 4, verse 17. How many of y'all love me anyway? Amen. Amen. Romans 4, verse 17. That is what the Scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates, I love this, who creates new things out of nothing. Who creates new things out of nothing. Who creates new things out of nothing? Abraham believed. 
and therefore was accounted him a righteous. And you could go and read, and God ended up giving him what seemed totally impossible because it says in verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Once again, worry is unworthiness to God, and faith gives him glory and worthiness. Whenever we talk faith and we talk believing and we talk His Word, He goes, now that child's glorifying me. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see. And that's what's going to give you a long life and that's what's going to free you up from all these things you're worried and you're scared about. Amen? How many ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? He was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived uh, from England and mightily used by God, written so many sermons. But, but he was a depressed man. And do you know he would pray that God would, when he would have to go preach in front of a big crowd, he would pray that he, God would break his leg so that he wouldn't have to end up preaching. He'd have an excuse not to preach. And God wouldn't break his leg, so he'd have to get up there. And the most awesome messages of the Holy Ghost would just flow through him. But you know what? He was scared. I'm going to make a mess of him. I'm going to goof it all up. I'm going to get up there, and everybody's going to go to sleep. Nobody wants to hear what I have to hear. All worries and cares from the enemy to try to keep the greatest preacher from ever preaching. Hmm? So we've got to understand. We've got to quit worrying. And listen, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. Let me give you this. You know why a lot of people do worry? Because they're empty on the inside. Emptiness causes worry. If I'm not filled with the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, I'm going to worry. I'm going to give in to worry. I'm not going to be able to fight worry. Why? Because I feel empty. I feel empty. Nothing's going to work out for me. I'm never going to get advanced in life. And we've got to understand Jesus gave us a resurrected life to uh, fulfill us. It says in, in uh, Matthew 6.33, And all these things shall be added to you. Speaks of God's rule over every area of your life. Hebrews 11.6 says that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. To honor Him is to be honored by Him. To honor Him is to give Him the rightful place in our lives. Listen to this testimony. A widow who had successfully raised a very large family was being interviewed by a reporter. In addition to six children of her own, she had adopted 12 other youngsters. And through it all, she had maintained stability and air of confidence. When asked in secret of her outstanding accomplishment, her answer to the newsman was quite surprising. She says, I manage so well because I'm, I'm in partnership. What do you mean, he inquired. The woman replied, many years ago I said, Lord, I'll do the work, you do the worrying. And I haven't had an anxious care since. God bless that woman. Twelve adopted and six of her own. I don't have any. I don't have any. I don't have any. Say this with me. Heart, trust, and believe and accept the rule of God. I acknowledge you, Father, and I receive you as the source of all resources. I accept the life of victory at ruling and reigning in my heart and in my mind that you gave me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I only went five minutes over tonight, but I want to just end with this. Old yellow piece of paper that I wrote a song on it 
probably back in 1982 when we went to the mission field. And many times when we were going through things and we didn't know where we were going to eat, how we were going to get gas to go to the mountains, what we were going to do, I used to sing this song, We rest on thee, O Lord, our shield and defender. Thine is the battle and thine shall be the praise. When passing through the gates of pearly splendor, victors we shall rest with thee through endless days. We rest on thee, O Lord, our shield and defender. We go not alone against the foe, strong in thy strength and safe in thy keeping. We rest on thee, O Lord, and in thy name we go. We go in faith, our own weakness filling, and needing more each day thy grace to know. Yet from our hearts a song of triumph feeling, we rest on thee, and in thy name we go. And the time and the time and time again, I'd pull this out. And time and time again, God proved himself true. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. And so let's stand.